0: Welcome to Author Express, where you get to discover the voice behind the pages of your favorite book. I'm your host, Shauna Rodriguez, and I'm glad you chose to be here with us. I'm looking forward to the author we have to chat with us today. Dawn Hogan majored in English at the University of Alabama in Huntsville. She's the mother of four grown children and grandmother to two. She's a full-time author and lives in Huntsville with her husband. Unbroken Bonds is her debut novel. It's a historical fictional tale of four teenage girls become lifelong friends and a home for unwed mothers in 1956. As the years go by, their vow of sisterhood remains strong as they rebuild their lives in the Deep South. When tragedy strikes, they must decide whether to keep their past secrets or find out the fates of the children they were forced to give away. Kirker's Review calls it an elegantly written and damning narrative. Welcome, Donna. I'm so glad we get to chat today. Hi, Shauna. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's so exciting. Tell me the most interesting thing about where you are from. Huntsville, Alabama.
1: It is a rocket town. It is all about space and technology. It's the Silicon Valley of the South. I like it. The
0: Silicon Valley of the South that rolls off the tongue, pretty much. That's wonderful. What is your favorite vacation that you've ever taken? Paris, probably. Oh, that's lovely. What was your favorite thing in Paris? The live. Real? Oh, when I went there, I didn't get to go to the Louvre. It was closed on Mondays, and I had no idea, and I had one day in Paris, and I missed the Louvre. The Eiffel Tower, there was plenty of beautiful things, but I missed the Louvre.
1: We had a week, and I brought three different pairs of sandals uh. so that my feet would hurt in a different spot every day.
0: You are a smart woman. This is the advice you all get to take home from today's podcast, is to bring three pairs of sandals at least for a week. so you're, Change them out. Change them out, your, your feet can hurt in different spots every single day. That is wonderful. Would you go back? Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's wonderful. What was your favorite food that you ate when you were in Paris?
1: Um, they would bring out the courtier boards with the oh. cheese and meats and olives. And,
0: yeah, the charcuterie boards yeah, are amazing. With, with wine, of course. Oh, wh- yeah, wine. You have to have wine. <laughs> that's how that works. in the, the breads, and oh, yum, yum. It's making me hungry. <laughs> so do you think your book would be exactly the same if you had written it 10 years ago?
1: Probably not.
0: What do you think changed about you and your writing in the 10 years between when you did write it and before that?
1: I think it has more to do with the circumstances of what's happening in our country. Oh, tell me more. Because this book, it's set in 1956. It starts there and uh, women didn't have the rights that Mm -hmm. we had in the 1970s. Oh, and guess what? Now we don't have the rights that we had in the 1970s. So there was a little bit more um anxiety yeah with what was happening with the supreme court and everything so yeah
0: but it probably makes it more important for people to read and to understand like what we're going back
1: to yeah so that we don't repeat the past Mm -hmm. we don't want to have homes for unwed mothers where it's a shameful thing and they take their babies away
0: yes yes and to understand that journey for the four women that are in the book and for people to kind of understand what that did to them. And the interesting thing is, is that we don't have those homes either. So not only do we not have the ability to make these decisions and have those choices now, we also don't have, that wasn't a great resource, but they had that place. And those supports aren't even there, even though they weren't the best idea. They will pop
1: up really fast.
0: You think so? Yeah. yeah. So that's a big difference. So you would started the book before that happened, or tell me the timeline of- well-
1: My friend in 2006 brought me her unsealed adoption papers from the state of Tennessee and asked me to find her birth mother. And I started doing the research on this, and I started finding out about these homes for unwed mothers Mm -hmm. and how they were run and the shame and the stigma and the soul-crushing tactics Mm -hmm. that were used on these girls Mm -hmm. to make them surrender their babies. And I wanted to be very, very true to the experience that these women went through and what these homes were like. This is about them and what actually happened. So what happens in this book is American history, but the names are changed and the name of the home is fictitious. And the aftermath of what they go through. I mean, these girls were told, you'll forget about this.
0: There's no way to forget something like that. Don't
1: tell anybody. Don't tell your future husband. Don't tell your children. Go to your grave with this information. And there was no counseling. There was no nothing. But fortunately, my girls had each other. Yes. friendship, they had to strengthen themselves. Mm -hmm. And to to keep them moving forward and having that bond of friendship that it's like, no, you're going to be okay. We're here.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, because of the genetic tests that can be taken now, there's some of that stuff cropping up where somebody's getting a phone call from their cousin and their cousin's saying, there's this person that thinks they're related to us. Did your mom have a kid? And then she's like, no, there's no way. And the mom comes out and says, yeah, but I'm not talking about it. I have nothing to do with this. And this isn't a thing. And we're not admitting to this. And because of what she'd been through, she's like, door shut. And like for her daughter that's she's, much older than me, but she's friends with me, to be able to say, I can't believe my mom is, cannot talk about that. But There's no way to understand what her mom went through and how she had to completely compartmentalize that experience and how now that she's in her 70s, 80s, and no, we're not, we're not bringing this up. Like this has been, this has been something 60 years ago, 80 years ago. Yes. So
1: traumatic. And that's the point of this too. These women are, you know, much older. yes and if this story is not told if their voices aren't heard yes we don't want to lose this history yes we want them to have a voice
0: yes yes and we're at this interesting time that the women that fought to get things changed are now this generation that's disappearing now and that knowledge and what they actually experienced is going away so it makes this book even more important for people to actually see and to actually hear this That's incredible. I think that's so valuable that you were able to write this and that you have this information to pass on and to give to others. Oh,
1: And I did research. I went down rabbit hole and I stayed there for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I read everything I could get my hands on. And and the most important things were the personal stories of these women.
0: Yes. And that's a conversation I had with one of the other authors that we interviewed for this is really talking about the importance of the personal stories. And to me as somebody, cause I grew up in a small town, but I'm somebody who has a thirst for the world and I've traveled and lived a lot of places and done a lot of things. And I feel like that thirst came from reading but those individual stories. It's not like somebody was trying to preach to me about 20 million big things. It's like connecting with that individual character and what experience they had that made me want to learn more about them and their culture and their life and those pieces and that empathy that you read by doing that. Oh, so the yeah, importance of absolutely.
1: that. And yeah, the empathy of just, I couldn't imagine, but at writing it, I put myself in their place mm-hmm. and what that was like. Yes. I mean, there were a lot of places in here that I'm writing and I'm crying. Yes. You
0: know? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not the only one that cries when I write. Thank you. <laughs>
1: well, and the thing is, there are sections of this book I cannot read out loud. Mm-hmm. I won't make it through. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've had people tell me, Oh, I cried so hard during that part, and I'm like, Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> I cried when I wrote it.
0: Yes. So, and you wanted to connect on that level.
1: When you can make your readers cry. Yeah. You did good.
0: You did good. There. That's what's supposed to happen. Oh, I love that. I'm so excited. You guys, she gave me a copy of it, so I get to read it. I'm so excited to read it. <laughs> what would you tell others who dream about writing a book? What would you say to them?
1: Be honest. Oh. That's hard. That's a hard thing. Be being. honest, because if you're not, you're doing a disservice to your writers and you're doing a disservice to yourself. Yes. Be bold.
0: Be bold. Not easy, but very, very important.
1: Was that hard for you? Was that hard yeah, for that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's something, I mean, I've been writing since 2004 and I tried writing when I was like in my twenties, but, In the beginning, there was a fear that I would offend someone. Mm hmm And if you write what's honest and true, you're going to offend somebody, so don't worry about it. Yeah. It's always going to be offended, and I'm not worried about it now.
0: That's wonderful. You just have to get to that place where you recognize that if you're being true to what you're writing, it's going to offend somebody, and so there's no way to write the truth without that happening. So you just got to write it anyway and accept that's part of the price.
1: And if they're offended. Put it down and go read something
0: else. Yes. And go talk to other authors who can understand that that's the price of the art. That's part of the package.
1: I, I have much more people that are not offended.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, that really connect with it. But that's the thing, the truth the truth is hard. Truth is hard. And usually the reason it's offending people is like there's like more to it. Like it's, it's hitting a nerve with people. And the more true and honest you are, the more like you are to hit a nerve. And that's kind of like the, the offense, the nerve that's all like they're all close together. Oh.
1: If they're offended by, you know, the, the home was a Catholic home,
0: mm-hmm. and there were
1: Catholic homes,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I presented what happened.
0: Yeah, I didn't
1: make this up. I didn't construe it yeah. to make any form of religion look bad or anything like that. I told what was true, and if they're offended by the truth, I can't help them.
0: Yeah, and we want to believe those things didn't happen. We want to believe that it. it's not true. We wish it wasn't the case, but it was, and then we have to accept yeah, it one, was.
1: 1.5 million girls can tell you. 1.5 million. Went to these homes.
0: Wow, that's between, astounding.
1: Between 1950 and 1980. Wow. So there's a bunch of people out there that can tell you what happened.
0: Wow, wow. That's, that's a
1: big number. That's a very big number. Well, when you add in black market, adoptions Mm -hmm. and gray market adoptions that number is really between four and six million during that time frame. That's staggering. And you know black market babies are you know just what they sound like. I had one birth mother tell me that she exchanged her baby in a truck stop.
0: (gasps) Wow.
1: And then the gray market babies would be like a priest or minister the family's gone to them, and they're like, go to Grandma's house when the baby is born. We have a family
0: that mm-hmm. will be happy to adopt this child. Just on the, on the sly, on the side. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly.
1: And then nobody's to ever know.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. That's so Yeah, we've come, come a long ways from there, but we're kind of moving back in those directions a little bit, unfortunately. Yes. What is the best way for people to
1: find you, Don? <clears throat> they can find me on my website. It's dwhogan.com. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And if you go to my website, you
0: can Get all the links. All yeah. Wonderful. And we'll have all the show notes, too, for you guys to, be able to find her. That works. What book or story inspires you the most?
1: I would have to say early on, it was Gone with the Wind. Really? Because I read it and I loved it. And uh-huh. then I found out that Margaret Mitchell was a housewife. Ah. Who wrote the story. And back then, I was a housewife with two young children and I'm like, if a housewife could do this, I could do this. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. always has stayed in my mind of don't think because you don't have a PhD or something that you can't sit down and write a book.
0: Yes. There's lots of stories to be told and we need more voices to tell them. So Exactly. That's beautiful. And
1: housewives have a lot of experience.
0: (laughs) Yes, they do. Yes, they do.
1: Yes, thank you so much for being here and sharing with us. Thank
0: you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you take a second to give us stars or a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And we'll be here again next Wednesday. Follow us on Instagram at Author Express Podcast to see who's coming up next. Don't forget, keep it express, but keep it interesting.